Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Luke chapter 7, John the Baptist sends two of his disciples to Jesus to ask if he really is the Savior of the world. John was imprisoned for serving Jesus and was struggling with doubt because Jesus had not delivered him. How often have we, like John, struggled with doubt because Jesus did not do something in the time we wanted or in the way we wanted? Let's open our Bible now to Luke chapter 7 and see how Jesus ministers to us in our struggles and in our doubts. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Wednesday morning here in Texas and hopefully y'all loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to love him, and above all, growing to obey him, right? And repenting, you know, when we fail to obey him, right, Rap? There is nothing in our lives, right? We say it every time, Becky, that will benefit us more, that will edify us more than spending time with Jesus, spending time in prayer, spending time in thanksgiving. What does that mean? Just spending time thanking Jesus, right? The vast majority of our prayers are requests where we ought to just spend more time where we just thank him, right? Just thanksgiving prayers where we don't do anything but thank Jesus for his goodness, his mercy, and all the blessings in our lives and our families and our friends and everything, right? Um, spending time in praise and worship, right? Um, again, and above all, spending time in the word of God, spending time in the scriptures, right? Reading the scriptures, studying the scriptures, meditating on the scriptures, and above all cash, right? Obeying the scriptures. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, all right. Well, we're continuing in Luke 7 today. Um, we're going to begin in uh, verse 18. And this, uh, this teaching goes all the way to verse 35. I don't suspect I'll get that far today, but we'll see how far we can get. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for our Bible. We thank you that we have the Holy Scriptures, Father. We thank you for our Bible. We thank you for your word, Father. But above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect life for us. We thank you for dying a, a torturous death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today. And we worship you today, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Luke 7, starting in verse 18. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. 
The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We'll stop there for now. Okay. Um, so, you know, in, uh, in the previous teaching, we saw that, you know, Jesus had raised a widow's son from the dead. He, you know, he was traveling along. He, he goes to this town called Nain. We said it was about six, seven miles from, uh, from Nazareth. Um, and, you know, there's a funeral procession. There's a large crowd. It says there were large crowds following Jesus. Um, and, you know, he, uh, there's a funeral, it's a widow, which means her husband had already died, obviously. And, you know, and it says that her only son now had died. And so this would have put the widow in just a, a horrible place in the, in the, in the days of Jesus, just a, a widow with no son or no husband would have no way to provide for herself. And so it said, you know, um, you know, Jesus went up to her and tells her, you know, not to cry. And he has this immense compassion on her. Um, he goes up, puts his hand on the coffin and the people carrying it stop. And he and he tells the, the, the you know, the uh, the boy to, to, to raise from the to, to get up. Right. Um, it says, then he went up and touched the coffin. This is Luke seven fourteen, And those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother, right? Uh, it says in 16, they were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. Verse 17, this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. So now we're in 18, and it says, John's disciples told him about all these things, okay? So... John the Baptist, as, as you recall, was, was the one sent by God ahead of Jesus, right, to prepare the way for Jesus. He was, he was telling people to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, meaning the Savior has arrived. The Savior is coming. The Savior has arrived. And in, uh, he was baptizing people who had a, a desire to repent of a sinful life to a sinful lifestyle, who had a desire to repent of ungodly beliefs um, and of ungodly actions. And so uh, people were going out to, to John in large numbers and, you know, they were, they were earnestly grieving over their sin. They were repenting over, again, ungodly beliefs and over ungodly, you know, over an ungodly lifestyle. 
and they would be baptized into this repentance. Now, this is not the same baptism that a Christian undergoes, you know, when they become a Christian. When we become a Christian, um, you know, Matthew 28, you know, Jesus tells them to, you know, to go and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. It's 28, like uh, 19, right? Um, now, you know, John's baptism was different, right? When we're baptized into Jesus, again, this doesn't save us. We're saved by trusting and relying on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. But when we become a Christian, when we become a believer in Jesus Christ, when we genuinely trust and receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, you know, we're commanded to be baptized, which is, you know, we simply, we go and we're immersed in water and it's an outward symbolic act of an inward reality, right? We've received Jesus Christ, right? We've been identified with the death of Jesus, right? On the cross, um, and we've been identified with the resurrection of Jesus when we receive him. Jesus Christ comes to live inside of us, right? Gives us new life, uh, spiritual life, eternal life. When we go down into the baptism waters, right? It represents, it's a, it's a symbolic representation that we've been identified with the death of Christ. Our old man or our old woman, right? you know, when we go down into the water is buried with Christ. It's left in the water symbolically. When we come up out of the water, it represents our new identification with the resurrected life of Christ. And now we go forward to live in the resurrection life of Jesus, um, you know, as opposed to the old worldly way that we did. And again, this is what you know, when we're baptized, we get, we're baptized publicly, right? And we profess publicly that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Just like Jesus died for us and was humiliated as he has died and crucified publicly, probably naked, right? Generally naked. Uh, they, were, they were crucified naked. Um, and so publicly we go and we undergo this baptism. Um, and again, that's an outward symbolic act right, of an inward reality. We've already, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, been identified with the death of Christ and the resurrection life of Christ, but we go and we're baptized publicly and we're commanded to do that um, and to proclaim our devotion of Jesus, right, to Jesus. Now, John's baptism was different than that, right? John's baptism was an actual baptism of repenting, repenting of, you know, whatever foolish ways we had been thinking about God, and which is to say any ways we're thinking about God that are not scriptural, right? The Bible is clear um, in, in who God is. We have a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, and in any way you're thinking about God today that's not in line with the Word of God, we simply need to repent. You need to repent. I need to repent. Okay? There is no knowledge of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We have a triune God. They're all God, three separate beings. There is no knowledge of any of them Okay, that's, that's not in the word of God, which is to say all the other religions have no knowledge of God. The Old Testament, the, the uh, 39 books of the Old Testament, and the 27 books of the New Testament 
give us revelation of the triune God. And it's only in Jesus. It's only in knowing Jesus and receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior that we can have any understanding, any insight, any knowledge of who God is. It's only in Jesus that we come into relationship with the triune God. God the Father becomes our heavenly Father. Jesus Christ becomes our Lord and Savior and Master and King. The Holy Spirit becomes our guide, our counselor, our comforter. Uh, Jesus comes to live inside of us, right? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, comes and is one with our spirit and regenerates us and gives us new spiritual life. So we become not only naturally or physically alive, but we're spiritually alive when we receive Jesus. And again, it's like the lights are turned on, right? Our God the Father is now our heavenly Father, and we have this incredible relationship with each member of the of the Trinity. And it's wonderful, right? Um, and so John still had disciples that were following him. Some of John's disciples had had gone to follow Jesus, which that's the call of all of our lives, to be disciples of Jesus, right? And to make disciples of Jesus. So in verse 18, it says, John, John's disciples told him about all these things, all the miracles that Jesus was doing, right? All these incredible things Jesus was doing. Now, John the Baptist was, has, has been arrested here. Um, he's in prison. He's in prison because he, you know, he had, uh, he had rebuked Herod, the king, because Herod, you know, was, uh, you know, was having an uh, adulterous affair, you know, with, uh, with his brother's wife. And, uh, and of course, his brother's wife did not want to stop that, right? She liked, you know, sleeping with the king immorally. And John rebukes him, right? Um, rebukes him to his face. Um, and it's in... Uh, Jesus weeps when he, uh, I should have prepared this. Um, and so, yes, we'll, we'll find it in Matthew where, you know, where, where John goes through all this, you know, where John is arrested and he's put in prison. And so here, back in, in chapter 7, we see in verse 18 that John is in prison now, and, okay, so yes, it's in chapter 14, um, Stephen had found it. I'm sorry, I should have should have prepared that. When we did the Bible study yesterday in my study, we've we've all done this. Um, 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 let me uh,
Yeah, so I, again, I was looking in Luke 14. It's actually in Matthew 14. Um, and, and so in Matthew 14, starting in verse 1, it says, At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus. And he said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. So that's, that wasn't the case, but this is what Herod was believing. Verse 3, Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered him a prophet. And then as you read down through the story on Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias um, danced for them and pleased Herod. He promised her up to half the kingdom. She went to her mother and her mother was immorally sleeping you know, her mother was married to Herod's brother, but she was sleeping with Herod. Um, and the girl runs to her mother, and the mother is is so tormented by John rebuking her and her husband, uh, you know, and Herod, that she asks for the head of John the Baptist on the plate, and Herod has John beheaded. But now, back to Luke's, you know, 7, verse 18, John is now in prison. And he sends two of his disciples to Jesus. And look what it says in uh, verse 19. He sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Now you remember, John had boldly proclaimed Jesus as the Christ, right? Um, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, right? In John 1, he, he boldly, proclaims Jesus, right? Um, in John 1 and in John 3, boldly that Jesus is the Christ. But now he's been arrested and Jesus is, has, has not rescued him. And he's going through tremendous persecution again. He's arrested for speaking the truth, for proclaiming the word of God, right? For proclaiming obedience to the word of God. Um, he has served Jesus Jesus makes a comment about John as, as uh, you know, you remember it's uh, in verse 28. Jesus says, I tell you, of those, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Think about that statement. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John, right? Obviously, we're all born of women, Jesus is saying there's never been one greater than John. Abraham wasn't greater than John, right? Noah wasn't greater than John. Elijah wasn't greater than John. David wasn't greater than John. Daniel wasn't greater than John. So this is as godly a man or woman that there has ever been, right? And yet he served Jesus. He pointed the way to Jesus. And yet now he's been arrested for speaking the truth, and Jesus has not rescued him. Jesus has left him in prison. Jesus has left him to be persecuted. And it's, uh, you know, he doesn't understand. And so he has doubts now, right? Because, you know, I've served Jesus. I've loved Jesus. I've pointed the way to Jesus. Um, I've proclaimed Jesus. 
I've served God in, in every aspect of my life and being. And here I am sitting in a, a disgusting, dirty, rotten prison. And here, John hears the news. Remember verse 18, John, John's disciples told him about all these things. So John's disciples are telling John in prison that Jesus is doing all these miraculous things and he's helping all these people and he's serving all these people and people are getting raised from the dead and cured from sicknesses and diseases. And, and yet John is just left there in prison and Jesus isn't helping him. Jesus isn't even visiting him. Golly, I mean, it's, it's profound. Can, can you not relate to that? Can we all not relate to this? Why is Jesus helping everyone and yet he's allowing me to suffer like this? And John is like, particularly when John has served Jesus, really like, like very few have. Jesus is going to say that about him. So it says in 19 that John sent his disciples, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? So the, of the greatest people that ever lived ha, has doubts, right? Um, I remember Dave Anderson, you know, always said to me, still does say to me, um, Tom is an elder in our ministry and his father, Dave, is, is active in our ministry. He's, you know, he's an incredible help. He, he writes the exhortations with uh, myself and Tom and uh, Dave is a very good writer. Um, we do a, a monthly exhortation that goes out. Um, it's called Kingdom Exhortations. You can go to any podcast and again, it's all free and, uh, you know, put it in, uh, you know, Apple or Google. It's called Kingdom Exhortations, two words. Um, and it's a monthly exhortation that goes out, uh, you know, on an email. My daughter, Kristen, does an incredible job in, uh, um, in doing all the marketing for it and doing all the, you know, the design for it. It's just, it's wonderful. Um, you know, Stephen, we also record it. And so it can be listened to on all these different venues. Um, but Dave Anderson has always said that only a madman doesn't have doubts, right? Sometimes our faith is is shaken. Sometimes we have doubts. And here's the great John the Baptist, right? Who baptized Jesus, okay? Um, and, you know, who's pointed the way to Jesus. And yet he has doubts because Jesus is, is allowing him to undergo this tremendous suffering. And which one of us can't relate to that, right? And so all of a sudden now, he has proclaimed, May, right, that Jesus is the Savior. He, he said, Corinne, right, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's, he has proclaimed with certainty that Jesus is the Christ. He's heard heaven open, right? And, you know, he's heard God speak from heaven. When Jesus came out of the water after John baptized him, he heard the Father say, this is my son, Jesus, with whom I am well pleased. And yet, when he's down, when he's struggling, when Jesus is seemingly helping everyone but him, he sends two of his disciples 
to ask Jesus, are you the one? Are you the Savior? Are you the Messiah? Or should we expect someone else? And and the question is, it's almost understandable, right? It's not. Jesus is going to say you can't get offended because of, you know, what we don't understand. John does not understand why would he let me sit in here? Why is he not helping me? Why is he not delivering me when I have when I've prepared my whole life to serve him? And these are just questions we often don't understand. You know, whether it's, you know, physically with our physical health, you know, whether it's spiritually and not understanding why Jesus is not saving our family or our friends or, you know, giving us more understanding, whether it's emotionally and why is Jesus allowing me to suffer with this sadness and this depression and this anxiety, whether it's relationally, right, Melanie? Whether it's, uh, you know, why is, you know, why is this relationship I'm struggling with, with my husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend or son or daughter, why, why is he allowing me to suffer like this or financially, right? Lord Jesus, why is he just allowing me to go through this consistent struggle for, you know, six months or a year or some people for two years, five years, 20 years, 30 years have been financially struggling, living from paycheck to paycheck, trying to keep food on the table. And sometimes we can have doubts, right? And so John the Baptist, this this man of God to which there's almost no comparison, is himself having doubts, right? And so in verse 20, it says, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Verse 21, at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So look at this. Again, John's disciples go. John's disciples know They're following John. They're disciples of John because he's this incredible, pure-hearted man of God. Like, like, like undoubtedly the most holy man alive, obviously beside Jesus. Jesus is God. He's perfect at that time. That's how righteous John the Baptist really is. He's still a sinner. He still needs Jesus as his savior, but he's undoubtedly walking the most holy life there's ever been. Again, Let's remind us what Jesus said in in, in, uh, verse 28. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Again, it's a compliment beyond understanding. And yet, Jesus is allowing him to undergo this tremendous suffering and test of his faith, right? Um, And so here it is. And yet, at that very time, verse 21, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind, yet John doesn't get a bone. John doesn't get a blessing, and and we're not told why. Jesus decides, he's God, who he's going to bless, how he's going to bless, who he's going to heal, who he's not going to heal, who he's going to give you know, longer life to, who he's going to allow to die, right? Um, And so in verse 22, it says, So he, Jesus, replied to the messengers, 
and listen to what he says. So again, John's messengers are there. They ask Jesus the question, are you the one? And Jesus, as he often does, is not going to answer the question. But look what he does tell him. So he replied to the messengers, verse 22, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Hmm. You know, it, you know, it would have been nice, you know, sometimes it would just be nice. We feel like we want to say, you know, Lord Jesus, sometimes it'd be nice if we could just get a straight answer. Like it might have been nice if Jesus just told the messengers, uh, go back and tell John, yes, I am the one. It's certain. But he doesn't. Instead, he answers the question by saying, go back and report to John what you have seen and what you have heard that I'm doing, okay? Go back and tell John that the blind are receiving their sight in Jesus. And still today, the spiritually blind only receive their sight, Uncle Dennis, in Jesus. The lame walk, okay? Even today, only the lame walk in Jesus. Now, Jesus was obviously doing physical healings here. The blind receive sight from Jesus. The lame walk in Jesus. Those who have leprosy are cured in Jesus. And John's disciples can see all this. Can see all this. The deaf hear in Jesus. The dead are raised in Jesus. And the good news is preached to the poor by Jesus and his disciples. So, you know. Jesus doesn't give him anything new. Jesus simply tells John's disciples to report to John what you have witnessed with your own eyes and heard with your own ears. That they will go back to John now and report everything they've seen Jesus doing, which is, which is an obvious proof in certainty that he is the one, right? Now again, still, when they go back and uh, and report this, it's still going to beg the question to John, you know, as to, uh, you know, man, that's wonderful. He is the one. Clearly, he could not do any of these things if he wasn't the Savior, if he wasn't God, right? If he wasn't the Savior to be sent into the world. Um, but still, I mean... He's doing all these immense miracles. He's serving all of these people. He's curing them. He's helping them. He's reporting the good news, but he's, he's allowing me to stay in this prison and suffer for speaking the truth of the word of God. And, uh, and again, you know, none of us have the righteous Christ-like life. None of us have a devotion to God like John the Baptist had. Right. And we have every advantage that John didn't have because we live in the new covenant. And so we actually have Jesus living in us. And that's a far greater thing than what John had on his own. Right. than what John had on his own. Um, look what he says in verse 23. Blessed is the man 
who does not fall away on account of me. Right? And so John the Baptist, you know, his messengers go back to him in prison because obviously he can't go to Jesus himself. And this is what they report. Right? Um, Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. What does that mean? And so, you know, sometimes it's easy to get offended you know, at Jesus when he doesn't show up or do things in the ways that we expect, right? Um, you know, we'd like Jesus to, to to write John 14, 6 in the sky, right? We'd, we'd like him to give us a dream of John 14, 6. We'd like him to take over our computer or TV and say, I am Jesus. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Those are Jesus' words, right? His exact words. Um, but he doesn't do things in the way we want. We have, to, we have to trust him by faith, right? We have the word of God. We have our Bible. And some of the old church fathers used to say faith is taking God at his word, believing the scriptures, believing the word of God. I remember Adrian Rogers, gone on to be with the Lord a long time ago, used to say that, right? Um but blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. And so, you know, we don't, Jesus is our king. We're not his. Jesus is our God, right? We're not his God. And we are to pray and we are to seek him. Um, but oftentimes, again, my wife and I have gone through this in our marriage over 21 years, just, just wanting to see Jesus move in our own life and oftentimes even more in the lives of others. And yet he just tarries and tarries and tarries and has us keep waiting and and oftentimes things don't happen or turn out at all the way we we've desired for and prayed for and yet we can't get offended right we we can but then we ought obviously we need to repent where we get frustrated and irritated and if we're candid and real and honest with ourselves it it, it happens to us all right esther um Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. I mean, the the people of Israel, you know, they needed a spiritual savior. They needed to be saved from their sin, as do all of us, right? But they wanted a physical deliverer. They wanted to come out under the oppression of Rome and the rule of Rome. And so that's not what Jesus did. Jesus came to deliver them from spiritual death. And from their sin, and he did. He he was not a political leader like a King David or an Alexander the Great, right? Um, and they didn't like that, right? We we. It's easy for us to to have our own agenda, with you know how we want Jesus to act for us, the things we want him to do for us. When it's our job to be his disciples and to follow him and to deny ourselves and. And what we think is best, right? Um, so we're going to wrap up here, but you know, as we get into verse twenty-four, it, it, this is incredible, and I'll just I'll read this, and we'll pick up here next time. But it says, after John's messengers left, and that's going to be key. Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. So now John's messengers are gone, right? And so they don't hear this next part. And this next part's going to conclude with Jesus saying, I tell you, among those born of women, 
There is no one greater than John. Now think about it. Wouldn't it have been nice, Stephen made this point yesterday in Bible study, wouldn't it have been nice if John's messengers could have heard this as well? Do you see it? So John's messengers don't get this part. John's messengers don't hear Jesus say, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Because if they had heard that, then they could have gone back to John in prison and said, well, what Jesus told us to tell you was that just to report what we saw and heard, right? Jesus told us to tell you to come back and tell you that, that we've seen the blind receive their sight. We've seen Jesus heal the lame, Je that those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and, and the gospel's being preached, the good news be is being preached to the, to the spiritually poor and the physically poor. Um, and then Jesus actually said that we can't get offended. He actually did say, blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me, so John, you, you know, Jesus was clearly saying that, you know, don't, don't stop believing in him as the Messiah because, you know, you're offended that he, he hasn't got you out of this prison. That's what they report to him. But wouldn't it have been nice if they could have said, and you know what also he said? He said something about you, John, that was so incredible. He actually said these words to the crowds, the thousands. He actually said, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Wouldn't it have been like this nice bone? Wouldn't it have been a blessing? Wouldn't it have just been an incredible comfort for John to hear that from Jesus, right? Wouldn't it have been nice if John's disciples could have heard them said that and then told John all these things, but also told John that, you know, John, Jesus spoke about you and said that there was never one that had been born that was greater than you. Jesus doesn't even give John that little bone. He doesn't even give him that comfort, right? And man, it's just, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. It's just so hard for us to understand why and how you move and what you do and the ways you do it. I just ask you to, to forgive us, Lord and to help us, Lord, and to strengthen us, Holy Spirit, when we don't understand how Jesus is moving or why he's moving or why he allows the difficulties and the sufferings, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus. So again, again, this is the incredible John the Baptist. And he doesn't even get that bone, right? John the Baptist is going to hear from his disciples the incredible miracles are, that Jesus is doing. Um. But Jesus is not going to rescue him. As we read in Matthew 14, he will be beheaded. He won't get out of that prison. And again, once he's beheaded, he's immediately now in heaven. And he's with, he's with, uh, you know, there's, he's with God. There is no like soul sleep. The last breath we take in this life will immediately be awake and alert and conscious in eternity, right? But when you look over in, uh, in verse 22, right, where are you in your life with Jesus today? As Jesus said, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight. Have you received your spiritual sight in Jesus? The lame walk. If you're not in Jesus today, you're lame, right? 
Have you received Jesus Christ that you can walk with Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus and receive Jesus and have God the Father as your heavenly Father? Those who have leprosy are cured. If you're not in Jesus Christ today, you have spiritual leprosy. You're dead. You're decaying. The deaf hear. If you're not in Jesus Christ today, you're spiritually deaf. You cannot hear anything. You cannot understand the things of God in any way. The dead are raised. If you're not in Jesus Christ today, you are still spiritually dead and in your sin. And the good news is preached to the poor. Are you poor in spirit? Right In Matthew 5, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you understand your spiritual poverty? Do you understand that you are a sinful person? Romans 3.23 says that all human beings are sinful and fall short of God's holy standard. Right? Do you know and believe the word of God? Do you accept the fact that you are a sinful person and that you are hopeless and helpless and desperate and that only hell awaits without Jesus? And have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior that you, that you might receive your sight, that you might be cured of your leprosy, that you might not be lame, spiritually lame anymore, but that you might walk, that your ears might hear, that you might not be spiritually deaf anymore, and that you be, might be raised to spiritual life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Are you trusting and relying on Jesus alone today for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? John 1.12 says that to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Romans 10.13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not our words that save us. It's Christ that saves us, that saves us. But we use our words to communicate, obviously, our heart to God, our heart to Jesus, right? If you're not sure that you're a Christian today, or maybe you say, you know, I believe in Jesus, but it's more just an ethereal or intellectual belief. I don't know that I'm trusting and relying on him alone for the forgiveness of my sins and the salvation of my soul, then just, just right now, just go before Jesus and, and use the words that I'm going to use. But keep in mind, it's the genuineness and sincerity of your heart that matters to God, right? Just humble yourself before Jesus and go before him now and pray, Lord Jesus, I, I confess that I am a sinful person. And Lord, I know that I am hopeless, that I am helpless, and that I'm desperate, and there's nothing I can do, Lord. But Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, and I believe you came into this world and lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect, horrible, torturous death for me. And I believe, Lord Jesus, that you are alive and risen today. And therefore, I ask you now, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart, and I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I humble myself before you and I ask you to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and confidence and trust in you alone to save me. 
and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian, right? Again, it's not just saying those words, just puppeting words doesn't save us, but it's genuinely humbling yourself before Jesus and receiving him as your only Lord and Savior, knowing that without him only hell awaits. Give your life to Jesus today and receive your sight, right? Be healed of your spiritual leprosy. You know, be healed of being spiritually lame. Receive your spiritual ears and Jesus will come and live inside of you. And you'll go from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive when the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, comes and joins himself with your spirit and gives you spiritual life and eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace, Lord. Father, we thank you for this for this teaching. We thank you, Lord, for this scripture. Father, I ask you to forgive us when we doubt, Lord. Lord, it is somewhat of a comfort to us that, that one of the, the greatest men of God that ever walked the earth had his doubts, Father. And I, I ask you to help us, Lord, not to fall away on account of Jesus, of when things don't turn out as we like or happen in the time that we want them to happen. Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you. We ask you to seal this message to our heart. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give us eyes that increasingly see Jesus and ears that hear Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.